Queen, Queen, Hez, hit it with the jab, get a good look, 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 ISO zones, breaking bones, put your hands up when you get sent home off a good look, 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 it's the good look podcast. It's the good look podcast. It's the it's the it's the it's the it's the good look podcast. Yes, sir, and welcome. Welcome, welcome to episode 42 of the Good Look Podcast. I'm your host, Leonard Pinkney, aka Agent P, aka L Pinkney, here to give you guys another episode at the Good Look Podcast on Instagram. All four words put together the Good Look Podcast. That's where you're going to find the links to the YouTube channel. Thank you for everybody watching on YouTube and obviously the audio version over on Anchor FM. Shout out to Anchor FM. Appreciate those guys giving me the platform and allowing me to do this. Thank you, guys. Um, that's where you're going to find the normal podcast. If you got a chance, please make a review. Five stars. I appreciate it uh, for the podcast. Helps me get my stuff out there. Uh, that's enough of me plugging myself. No, it's not. I'm going to go ahead and plug the YouTube, too. Um, please leave a comment. Um, a comment back very quickly like subscribe do all those things for me it really helps out guys so i uh, appreciate the support thank you for everybody that's still listening out there uh let's go ahead and get into some hoop talk all right so just to get things kicked off um some injury stuff some unfortunate injury stuff got to roll through it cj mccollum who's been having an incredible season for portland unfortunately um they found out that he has a hairline fracture in his left foot He's going to be out for four weeks at the very least. He'll be reevaluated at that time, so probably five to six if everything goes well. Um, he's been the leading scorer for Portland. He's had an absolutely incredible season. I'm a proponent of him and CJ. Just they, they need to have separate teams just because I feel like their skill sets overlap a lot, and you've done this for eight years now. How much more do you really need to see? Um, but there's only so much Portland can do in terms of bringing free agents over financially. So they have a really good player like CJ McCollum. I, they feel like they can win with him and Dame or feel like they can at least be really competitive. So I, that's been their formula for a while. They got to the Western conference finals a couple years ago. So that was with their team healthy. So they feel like they can go ahead and move forward with that, but hopefully CJ gets healthy. Nurkic also on the team broke his wrist. Um, really unfortunate because Nurk was, trying to work his way back after that horrific, horrific leg injury. Um, and he's going to be reevaluated in eight weeks. Um, so it's, it's really tough breaks for Portland. I heard it on another pod. It's a franchise that's just been decimated by injuries throughout its entire history. Um, you go back to Greg Oden being hurt, Brandon Roy having to retire. Um, they talked about like Bill Walton in the seventies, uh, Sam Bowie in the eighties, just, a franchise tortured by injuries. It's unfortunate. Um, who knows when their chance is going to come up, uh, but they they got to do something. And eventually it's just not going to be enough to have Dame or McCollum. They're going to have to make some moves eventually, but hopefully uh, McCollum and, 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 and Nurkic come back quick and have speedy recoveries. Um, a pretty serious thing, uh, Karis LeVert found a growth on his kidney and that was because after the trade was completed during the MRI, that's when they found it. And he talked about it. A lot of people pointed out that this thing, most likely it could have potentially saved his life just because of how serious this could have been. Who knows what could have happened 
if he didn't get traded and he didn't have this MRI on how long this growth on his kidney would have been undetected. So it's, it's, it's an incredibly fortunate thing for him. Um, it sucks. He's out indefinitely. So no one knows when he'll be back, but it, it's basketball is completely secondary at this point. You just do your best to get better. And hopefully it's, it's benign. Hopefully it's nothing serious and excuse me, Karis can come back uh, and be the, the same player that he was and continue to grow. Um, he's been dealing with injuries his whole career, and this is just another setback, so it's unfortunate. But hopefully he can get himself healthy and, and come back to the court and, and, and do his thing. So shout-out, prayers to you, Karis. Hope you get better soon. Killian Hayes, rookie, talked about him a couple pods ago for the Pistons. He hurt his hip, and they were contemplating whether he should do surgery or whether he should just rehab. He's going to opt for the rehab route. He's going to be out for eight weeks. Um, and then he's going to be reevaluated at that time. He's your first round pick. You don't want to mess with any of that stuff. Make sure he's healthy before you trot him back out there again. If I was him, I probably, I don't know. I, usually you just get the surgery because if eight weeks go by and nothing happens or you still get a re-aggravation, then you just wasted eight weeks of time when you could have got the surgery and rehabbed at that point, and usually it's better. But um, who knows? If if the if his his team and the medical staff say that it's better to rehab, then hopefully that's the right route to go, and he can come back and he struggled out of the gate, but hopefully he can get back to to at least playing again because he was young coming out of France um, or excuse me Germany, um, and still needed a lot of reps. Detroit would have been the great place to do it. They're terrible right now, and he would have had plenty of opportunities. Now that their first round picks out two months, it's kind of sad, but. Um, it sucks. A lot of sad news with these injuries, man. There's just extra layers to it. So, um, it's unfortunate, but hopefully, like with everyone else here, Killian Hayes, hope you get better, man. Uh, want to see you on the court, want to see you develop, want to see you grow. And next up, um, in terms of basketball news, uh, they're trying to crack down on NBA players, uh, fraternizing after the games, fraternizing between games. Uh, they don't want people doing handshakes and stuff after the after the game's over. They want guys to get off the court right away, wear your mask literally at all times. It's it's a lot, but it's it's really what's necessary at this point. The I believe eighteen games have been postponed now, and it's going to be hard having to make all those games up on the back end of the schedule. But the NBA was prepared for this. They know this is going to happen. They're rolling everything out for the back half of the schedule because they're hoping that once people on the front lines and everyone who really needs it, obviously first the, the, the COVID vaccine that NBA players can probably be next in line. And if, if athletes have it, then they should be able to be good hopefully and, and resume games and maybe there's crowds again. And the NBA is holding out hope for all those things in the second half of the schedule um, so that's why, even though it's ugly now, um, they're doing the best to try to hold out. So hopefully, um, hopefully they're able to contain it at this point. Postponements are able to uh, not have a huge effect, and then in the second half, uh, things can be made up. So that's what's that's pretty much the NBA's plan being outlined here. Forbes has. They always do their evaluations of teams every year. And once again, it's the same three, um, but they're topped at a, they're all valued at above $5 billion. And it's the Lakers, uh, 
the Warriors in the number one spot every year. Fortunately, unfortunately, it's the New York Knicks, and it's only because they're in New York. It has nothing to do with their success. The Warriors are in San Francisco, an incredibly techy and very upscale and rich town or just rich city overall. And it's, it, it's coincided with their success because in the 2010s or the, the 2000s, 90s, ain't nobody want to be with the Warriors and their value was really low. But because of all that success they had in the 2010s and now that they're in a new arena, which has an incredible evaluation, um, they're now evaluated at $5 billion. And they're still one of the top draws in the league once bands start coming. They're still one of the top draws on TV, obviously. Um, still got Steph and, and a lot of exciting players. So that's why their valuation is still high. The Knicks, like I said, just because they're in New York. And then the Lakers, because they're the Lakers and they deserve it. Um, so... Those are the three teams right now who are valued over $5 billion. Um, and the league continues to grow, man. It really does. And it's fun. It's cool to, to point out because expansion is something that's being talked about right now. And they're trying to at least get $2.5 billion for, from each team that comes in. And Seattle and Vegas are the most likely destinations at this point. They want $5 billion at least from both of those teams combined as a buy-in to get into the league to offset some costs. That's the value of one of these franchises, which is absolutely insane. So um, it's kind of just putting all the numbers together. It's a cool little thing. In the long run, it doesn't really mean that much to us as fans. No, not really. But it's just a cool little nugget to know, hey, these are what the values of the teams are. And no matter how shitty the Knicks are, they will still always be highly valuable. Um, first impressions, y'all. First impressions of the Brooklyn Nets with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden. Now, in the two games before Kyrie Irving came back last night, um, Harden's sat line in the first two games, 32, 12, and 14, triple-double in his first game, then went 34, 6, and 12. Kevin Durant dropped 42 in that James Harden debut, along with having 30, 9, and 6 in the second game. So, Brooklyn was riding high. They look like they were clicking on all cylinders, especially with these two guys. They're friends. Got the OKC history. They know each other's games. They've worked out and played with each other in the summer. So they know each other. So this Brooklyn squad is, is definitely a, rec, uh, a force to be reckoned with on the offensive end. So then they went into Cleveland tonight, or last night, excuse me, and they played the Cleveland Cavaliers, Kyrie Irving's first game back in Cleveland since 2017. He hasn't had a game there since which is crazy they did a little video tribute for him uh on video he put his finger up uh pointed to his ring finger and showed that hey uh, that's what all that means appreciate the tribute and all um the stat lines were as follows Kyrie Irving had 37 points Kevin Durant 38 12 and 8 Harden 21 10 and 12 and another triple double for him the numbers are not misleading but they are a little bit inflated just because the game went into double overtime and they did not win. The Cavaliers ended up sticking it out in double overtime and won 147-145, in large part because Colin Sexton dropped a career-high 42 points. Where did that even come from, man? Oh, my goodness. But um, he dropped 12 points in the overtime – or in the second overtime. He was just hitting three after three after three. Um, 
he dropped the three with 1.2 remaining in the first overtime to get it to the second overtime. The kid has been absolutely incredible this year, dropping over 25. Um, I owe an apology. I thought he wasn't going to be that good out of, uh, out of, high, out of college. And um, in those first couple of years in Cleveland, you're not paying attention to him that much. And the shooting percentages are kind of eh, still, but averaging 25 a game in this league, even with the increase in rate and pace and all that stuff, it's still impressive. And in his third season, these are the kind of strides that you want to see, as opposed to you look at someone like my guy, Jamal Murray, who still has an average 25 a game. He just broke 20 a game this year in his fourth season. So, uh, Cleveland, you got yourself a solid kid, man. Young bull. He competes, plays hard. He took a shot from Kyrie at the end of the fourth quarter when I thought Kyrie probably should have just pulled up for the game winner, but he decided to drive and they called it an offensive foul, but then they overturned it, which was wrong because the first call was right. Kyrie elbowed him in the face. Uh, and then it resulted in a jump ball instead of being an offensive foul or calling it a defensive foul. I don't know. The rest figure that out whenever they review it. I don't know why sometimes. But um, shout out to Colin Sexton, man. He's doing all this without Darius Garland or Kevin Love. Jared Allen, who just got traded, he uh, played with the Cavs, and he played that whole fourth and the overtimes. He looked really solid defensively. Um, Isaac Okoro is still a rookie for Cleveland that he just needs a lot of work, which is fine. Um, but I don't I just don't, I just don't see it with him. Chetty Osman, eh. Chad is, eh. He's a kind of a jack-of-all-trades guy, but everything is just pretty, eh. So he could maybe be a rotation guy, but who knows. Andre Drummond didn't play at all in the fourth, pretty much, and in the overtime. So that was a little bit surprising. But um, I think Cleveland likes that Jared Allen wasn't a liability offensively in terms of if he got fouled. And they like that he provides incredible uh, defense at the rim for this team. So uh, shout out to Cleveland. They hit some shots, though, man. I think I think there's two things that could happen because they're playing on a back-to-back and they play tonight. There's two things that could happen. Because all the Brooklyn guys played like 48, to close to 50 minutes in that game, they're either going to really cut them short and not care or Brooklyn's going to blow them the F out because <laughs> some of the shots that Cleveland was making – were ridiculous and not just because Brooklyn played terrible defense, which I'll talk about in a second, but they were just hitting some shots, man. And it's one of those things that's a trend in the NBA that sometimes you just look at the three point line. If you check out a box score and you're like, if a team goes 17 for 40 from the three point line, we just not going to win. If the other team goes six for 20, it's just the numbers game at that point is just way too much to overcome. So um, shout out to Cleveland, man. They're, they're they're competitive and that's all they need to be right now they're still trying to fight for um respect and you do a lot of losing you still want to have like good draft picks and stuff but um they're loot they're they want to be competitive as well you don't just want to continue to to be in the mud so so shout out to them man. they're a nice little team they're gonna be all right but the real story here obviously is the brooklyn nets after those early results with brooklyn um people started to question it and say, okay, what it, can you really have these three ball dominant players all on the team at the same time? Um, I questioned it more because it, it guts your depth. And I liked this team as a title favorite. I picked them to win the title. I liked that because 
it wasn't just because of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. It was because of all their ancillary pieces. Now they traded all that depth for James Harden, and rightfully so. You see what kind of talent James Harden is. You can see the seeds starting to be planted in that he's going to be the one that feels like he can take his role down in terms of points, but continue to run the offense, have the ball in his hands a lot, find open teammates, be the real point guard for this team, kind of like, and then turn Kyrie into a, a, a semi two, pretty much. Um, what they did in this game was take Harden out early, took him out with about five minutes left, let Kyrie and Durant run through the first quarter, bring Harden back and stagger those guys. They started out with DeAndre Jordan and Jeff Green, which I didn't like. I want them to start uh, Joe Harris because having Harris, Kyrie, Harden, and Durant out there, just a bevy of shooters. It's just way too hard. That court would be spaced out way too much. It'd be really hard to guard them. I understand you want to have some defense with, with, um, with Jeff Green in there, but I don't think it's so – his defense isn't so great where it just offsets the – the ability of Joe Harris to space the court like he can for the team and then put DeAndre in. I liked how they closed. They closed with Joe Harris and then they closed with Jeff Green. Um, but Durant's seven feet. He can still switch on to some fours, some fives. Um, he had an incredible block in the overtime period uh, or I think in the end of the fourth quarter. So Kevin Durant looks absolutely incredible. Shout out to him, man. Everybody knows KDE, easy money sniper. He's just out here doing his thing. But this is where the team truly struggles defensively. And this is the biggest question. You should not question this team's offensive all. If you have Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant, you're not going to struggle to score, man. It's just it's, – it's that simple. But defensively is where you really have to think, okay, with this team, how are we going to get stops? Because if you saw the game prior to Cleveland – when they were playing Milwaukee, which was an incredibly entertaining game without Kyrie Irving, defensively, they could not get a stop. They were just lucky that Milwaukee was missing a couple of shots. And if you do that, because of so much offensive firepower that Brooklyn has, you're going to be able to score. Um, and that's probably going to be their MO for, for this entire season until they really start to see if maybe we throw a couple second round picks at a team, maybe they'll give us a defensive minded center Maybe we throw some picks at a team and see if they can give us a defensive wing. So that's – other than that, because they got no first-round picks anymore, uh, that's pretty much all they can do. They can maybe move Denwitty's contract, and that's $11 million off the books. You maybe take some money from another team. Uh, but you really don't have any other assets that teams would want. I think they should play Bruce Brown more just because dude's aggressive and he plays well on both ends of the floor. Um and they're asking a lot of DeAndre Jordan at this age. It's it's just going to be hard for him to continue to compete with the younger and athletic bigs in this league. So defensively is going to be their issue. It's just, it's just going to be a reality because Kyrie Irving and James Harden on the perimeter are, are not good <laughs> defensively. Kevin Durant is outstanding, but there's only so many holes he can plug up. Jeff Green is okay on both ends of the floor, and DeAndre Jordan is eh. Especially in this game when they were playing two traditional centers, if they have to play a team like Denver with Jokic, Dallas with Porzingis, the Lakers where bigs can stretch the floor on them, 
and they can't just play that drop coverage where the center just sinks into the paint and where it becomes just a a, a free path to to mid-range jumpers for off uh for ball handlers coming off of screens it's going to be tough so we'll see how it goes man but i did like them closing with green durant joe harris kyrie and james harden but you would hope eventually that they can find some kind of big that can help them out. But there's not a lot of them floating out there, at least really good ones. And the ones that are floating out there are not the ones that you particularly want. They had to play uh, Richard Perry a lot. And man, that's, that's all you need to know. So I, I can't, I'm not going to go against my pick yet. I'm still going to say they're going to win the title because I'm trying to have some take integrity here. Um, but if you look at the landscape of the league, overall, the Lakers are still the best team in basketball, um, top to bottom, offensively and defensively. They have the, they lead the league in, in net rating. Net, uh, net rating is your net rate. Net rating is the difference between your offensive rating and your defensive rating. And theirs is the best in basketball. Um, so it just means they're being very efficient on offense and defense. Just know that. <laughs> and uh, even though they gave up that 19 point lead to the Warriors last night, shout out to Steph again, man, just letting everybody know that he's still out here. It's, it's still the Lakers league right now. And the Lakers still have the opportunity to make moves. Once Kuzma's contract rolls to the, uh, correct me on that, but I believe they can still trade him at the, the trade deadline. I'm not sure. Um, I feel like the Lakers still got to move in them. They can, they still have the ace in the hole of Taylor Horton Tucker if they really, because he's going to be an unrestricted free agent if they think that some team wants to extend him. Um, he can, he holds some value. He holds as much value as like a late first round pick. He's going to be a solid player. So um, maybe the Lakers have that in their back pocket if they feel like they really need to make another move. Uh, this James Harden situation, it's it's cool because it's, it not only puts another team like this together that brings a lot of interest to the league and and, and makes us wonder what this team can become, uh, it, it, it helps go into what does the rest of the league do? Does this create an arms race? You know, is, is Miami going to try to do something? Do the Sixers try to do something? I alluded to that a little bit in my last pod. And in this one, I'm going to go a little bit more in depth and focus in on one player who I think could really shift the balance um, in terms of what's going on with the NBA. Because everyone now thinks it's going to it's a it's a crash course for the Lakers and the Nets to end up meeting in the NBA Finals. I am going to pick that pick as well. But there are some teams that, if they make a couple moves here and there, they might have the opportunity to compete. And so I, I I put together a couple of trades that I think would be really nice for some teams to try to move forward. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and discuss a couple of those with y'all. And, and then let's go ahead and if you uh, if you want YouTube, leave some comments. Let me know what you think. Um, once the posts go up on Instagram, leave some comments. Let me know what you think. Um, but we're going to roll into uh, what I'm calling, which is, not, it's not nothing special. It's the Bradley Beal segment. So Bradley Beal had some rumors last year, said he wasn't going to get traded. He has some rumors this year. The The Wizards still say they're not going to trade him. Um, so it's, it's interesting uh, to see 
if if they're really going to stick to their word because right now they're absolute trash. Westbrook has been god-awful. What do you do to try to reset this franchise? They could have kept John Wall, who is younger and has less years on his contract or less years on his contract, but they make the same amount of money. Now you're stuck with Westbrook, who's in a depreciating asset, and your only good asset to try to rebuild is Bradley Beal, who's literally leading the league in scoring right now at 35 a night. So if you're the Wizards, you have Rui Hachimura, Davis Bertans is having a bad start. Denny Abdi is being, has been okay. Trent Brown, uh, I mean, Troy Brown has just been terrible. Uh, so what do you do? What do you do to try to, to revamp this roster, revitalize this franchise? You have to trade Bradley Beal. Now, can you get a haul like the, the Rockets got for Harden and four picks and four pick swaps? I don't think so because Bradley Beal's not as good as, as James Harden, but you can get some pretty good deals, man. And First off, I'm going to start with this one just because it's, it's near and dear to my heart. And y'all see the patch right here. You know what it is, my boys. Can y'all get down the camera? Yeah, there you go. I'm sorry for the people just listening, but I had to throw out the Nuggets logo. Y'all know I mentioned the Nuggets damn near every pod. But um, first trade deal to the Nuggets is not the one that everyone is talking about in terms of uh, Michael Porter Jr., maybe Bull Bull, and some picks to go to Washington to restart. I think they should actually consider trading Jamal Murray. Um, that way you don't have to give up as many picks to do it. Now, a lot of people think, why would you even consider that? Jamal Murray has, in the bubble, man, he was absolutely insane, and he's hurt right now. So you can't really put too much stock into the slow start. I can't. I've watched him play for four-plus four seasons now, man. And people are asking this year, who's this Jamal Murray? We saw him in the bubble. We thought he was going to make this incredible leap. He he plays with such fire and passion sometimes. He's such a flamethrower. He makes such incredible, tough shots. And in the bubble, everything just worked out for him. But where is this guy now? I hate to break it to y'all, but this Jamal Murray is the Jamal Murray we've always known. Inconsistent. The one word to describe his game is inconsistent. No further than the game a couple nights ago, he dropped 26 in the first half and didn't score at all until the latter portions of the fourth quarter where they ended up losing to the Utah Jazz. It's, I, I know he's, deal, he's playing a lot of minutes. I think he's dealing with an elbow thing right now. But last year, we were looking for him to make another leap, too. And it still didn't happen. And the, le- the year before that, I mean, he's only, that, w- that one's like, eh. But the year after, you're like, okay, year three, got a couple seasons under my belt. We see the potential with you. Go ahead and make that leap. He's barely over 20 points a game right now after averaging 26 in the bubble. But it's funny because even in the bubble with the games that he had and the losses, uh, you can see some 14-point games sprinkled in there. You can see those bad games still sprinkled in there, and people don't really talk about it that much. And I, I, I love Jamal's potential, 
and he's only 23 years old. And I love that he has such a fire and he's such so competitive, but man, he's just inconsistent. And if you have Jokic, who's 26 right now, who's playing like the MVP of this league, if the Nuggets were 10 and, and, and four instead of seven and seven right now, people wouldn't think Joel Embiid is leading the MVP race. It'd be Jokic who's averaging 25, 12 and 10, man, dude has been, absolutely insane and he was my mvp pick so just saying (laughs) um if you have him he's 26 years old he's got three years left on his contract i think Jokic would be the kind of player i think being an international player helps i think he'd be the kind of player that wants to stay in denver for a long time but once his uh, walk year starts to come up the rumors are going to come up with him as well like they always do with everybody. But I think he would be the kind of player in Denver that stays there for his whole career, kind of like a Dirk situation in Dallas. But you want to take advantage of his years, man. And could you imagine, could you imagine the kind of offense the Nuggets would have if it was Nikola Jokic and Bradley Beal in the two-man instead of Jamal Murray? Now I know it's a lethal combination with Jamal and Jokic, but Bradley Beal is, is a way, he's not a way better player, but he is definitely a, he's definitely a better player than Jamal. Jamal is never going to average 35 points a game in this league or let alone 30. Bradley Beal has done that the last two seasons, man. And he's increased his pick and roll capability. Um, The jump shot is still pretty as ever gets to the basket, literally everything offensively he can do. And he can still play solid defense for you as well in the one and two spots. Um, Jamal Murray is always going to be a suspect defender. And consistency on the offensive end is something you have to, excuse me, constantly worry about with him. And with Bradley Beal, I wouldn't. I know Bradley Beal's giving me at least 25 a night, and I can count on it. I can't count on Jamal to give me 25 a night. There's nights he'll drop 30, and the next night he'll get 10. And if we want to be a consistent team and a consistent winner, he needs to be better. And he just hasn't been that. And if you start to see that pattern with players, it's very rare that if you don't see it early, that these players are suddenly all of a sudden going to figure it out and start averaging like 25 and ish plus down the line. If you're not starting to show signs now, then I don't know what we can really do with you. We pretty much know who you are and, the Nuggets know who Jamal Murray is. He just signed that new extension. So if Washington trades for him, you get a new uh, young star to, to restart your roster and restart your rebuild. You still have to deal with Westbrook. But, I mean, you can still play them together because Jamal is a good shooter when he plays consistently. Um, and Denver could even send – the, the, the trade I have is that Jamal Murray, Bull Bull, and then a couple picks go to Washington for Bradley Beal. And then maybe some money moves around in order to make that work. But if you had him and Michael Porter Jr. and Nikola Jokic running the show, you would have incredible shooting, incredible versatility, because that's the thing that this Nuggets team is missing. There are no knockdown shooters other than Porter on the squad. Nikola can shoot. Barton can shoot. Gary Harris can't shoot. Jamal can shoot, but these aren't snipers. They're not guys like Joe Harris, Duncan Robinson, J.J. Reddick, guys who are automatic from downtown, 40%ers no matter what. These guys are guys who are streaky for the most part and shooting the mid-30% on a good year. So if 
Denver wants to maximize their talent in terms of their push to try to win. I would try to trade for Bradley Beal and not give up Porter. Now, the only th- caveats to this, which make me, which let me know that I know it's never going to happen. Bradley Beal technically only has one and a half years left on his contract. He has this half season. He has the rest of this season and then one more season. And now the year after that, he'll be 29 going into his free agent year. He's going to be a free agent because he's going to command a max deal on the free agent market. So he's going to do that. Um, So you'd be risking five years of control with Jamal versus a year and a half ish of control with Bradley Beal. So I don't know if the Denver Nuggets is going to do that. And a chemistry thing. Jokic really loves playing with Jamal. Um, It took a long time for them to be cohesive and figure out that offense. So he is really partial to Jamal Murray and trading Jamal out of that locker room would probably be a really bad thing chemistry wise. So in terms of it, from that perspective, it's not going to happen, but in terms of a basketball fit, man, I couldn't, I couldn't stop like dreaming of the possibilities of that being so, so it's not going to happen, but it's something I did want to throw out there because Bradley Beal, he's going to get moved. I was of the position that he wasn't just because he was very gung-ho about loving Washington and not wanting to leave. But Washington's just been so bad, man. They can't keep wasting him. He's going to get traded, and he's going to command a lot. So my other idea was sending him to Golden State. If you had him and then you had – if you gave up Wiggins and and James Wiseman and maybe a couple picks. So give up Wiseman, who's pretty much a first-round pick, so you don't have to give up another extra pick. Give up Andrew Wiggins to make the money work and then send over a couple more first-round picks, including that Minnesota pick, because that would be the one that Washington would really want. Then you're cooking with gas. Then you have Draymond, Steph, and Bradley Beal. Now, it's not Clay Thompson, but you have those three together. And just imagine if if Clay Thompson came back at least 80% of himself next year, and that's a big ask because he's coming off of two incredibly – major injuries and clay please get better man we miss watching you play basketball please get better basketball gods just let this two-year thing be a blip and let him come back and be great because we miss clay thompson let him come back could you imagine draymond steph clay bradley beal for a season and if bradley beal is like hey i like it here opts in for his age 30 age 29 season and gives it one more run before becoming a free agent could you imagine the kind of offensive firepower that this team would have, it would almost be Durant light. It, it not almost Durant light. It would be Durant light because Bradley Beal's not even close to having Durant. But the offensive scoring ability and prowess is 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 spectacular. And having that profile with Steph Curry, with Draymond Green, who knows how to find everyone in every situation, with a healthy Klay Thompson, the Warriors were challenged for a title. No question about it. Yes, you give up Wigan, or yes, you give up Wiseman and some future picks, and that's your future. But you got to go for it, man. You only have so many opportunities to win titles. The Warriors knew that in the 2010s. That's why they went for it. That's why they got Kevin Durant because they had the possibility to do it, and they did it. Steph Curry would be 33 next year. Draymond Green's going to be 31. Klay Thompson, 32. These guys are getting up there, and they're not going to be their prime selves for much longer, unfortunately. Um, it's sad from a basketball perspective to think it like that, but it's true. So you got to go for it while you can, man. And I think this would be the perfect opportunity for them to try 
and, and go for it. And maybe it doesn't work out this season, but for sure next season you have the opportunity to have the best offense in basketball. I don't see why you wouldn't try to give that opportunity, give, give that a chance, even if you are going to give up some first round picks and Wiseman. Wiseman just doesn't fit their timeline right now. And even though I love Wiseman, uh, I just think in terms of what them wanting to do in terms of winning right now, I think it's exactly what you should do. Another idea, another possibility is Miami. So Miami is the one that has the rumors flying around. They would end up giving up Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, Precious Achua, multiple first-round picks to get Bradley Beal. So then you pair Bradley Beal with Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. That's your big three in the Eastern Conference. That would help dig Miami out of the mud. They have played horribly to start the season. Um, Jimmy Butler has been in and out of the lineup, which is a, a reason for that. But still, even when he's played, they haven't looked entirely like themselves, which is why a lot of people were questioning that bubble run and them getting into the NBA finals last year when during the regular season, we're talking about a six seed in the regular season. So how much juice is really there? How legitimate was their run? How legitimate is this team right now? They are very legitimate, but then you would give up a, a bevy of shooting and young players for Bradley Beal, but Bradley Beal, Jimmy Butler, bam out of bio. That's a fearsome three player lineup in the Eastern Conference that puts you right near the top with Philly and Brooklyn and Milwaukee, man. If I'm Miami, I'm probably doing it because I don't know if Bradley, if Tyler Hero is ever going to be as good as Bradley Beal. Um, Duncan Robinson is one of those shooters that you never want to let go, but in in a deal like this, you probably would have to. Precious Achua just shows incredible potential and physical features. That kid's going to be special. Um, and then you give up some picks. And for Miami, I think this would also be a little bit more of a – there would be a more incentive to do this deal because they have the ability to probably re-sign Bradley Beal because Bradley Beal would love to re-sign in Miami. I don't know if he wants to re-sign in Golden State. He definitely wouldn't want to re-sign in Denver, um, probably, unless they won a title, even if. But he would definitely want to re-sign in Miami. So if, if Miami traded for him, I think they would really go for it. Um, so uh, I, I like that fit, and I think it puts them right near the top of the East again. And it makes them a more legitimate contender than they are now. Plus, Stuff Spo, they're always going to find guys. They got a guy named Gabe Vincent. Shout out to my dude, Gabe Vincent Gauchos, Ole, Ole, Ole. Um, he's a knockdown shooter, too, so they keep finding him. They will keep finding players. Goran Dragic is still there. Kelly Olynyk. they got a solid team. You add Bradley Beal to that. You're competing to be one of the teams to come out of the Eastern Conference, no question. And then the last team, another Eastern Conference team, I have the Philadelphia 76ers. Now, they had a package where they wanted to go all in to try to get James Harden. That included Ben Simmons, and I think they were asking for Tyrese Maxey and some picks. Why not throw that deal at Washington? Why not throw Ben Simmons at the Wizards for Bradley Beal, try to find some contract filler or whatever else they want, maybe some picks? Bradley Beal with... Joel Embiid <laughs> that would be the best inside outside combo in the league besides LeBron and AD are you serious Bradley Beal knockdown shooter can operate in the pick and roll 
wouldn't get in Joel Embiid's way. He dropped 42 the other night or last night against the Celtics in like five minutes of play. And that's with Ben Simmons getting in the way. If Ben Simmons wasn't in the way, Joel Embiid's already probably the leading MVP candidate right now. The possibilities, man. If had Seth Curry and Bradley Beal in the backcourt, the amount of shooting that this team could put out, I would love Philadelphia. I would probably, I would almost make them the favorite in the East if Brooklyn didn't put those three guys together. That is what puts you over the top. But they're not going to do it because they have the best record in the East because, or I think it's, I think it's second now, depending it's on the, the, the half tiebreakers, whatever. But one of the top two, three records in the East, they are right there. I would do it, man. I would really do it. I would consider it. I, I don't think Philly's going to do it, but man, if you put Bradley Beal and Joel and beat together, that would be absolutely insane. Y'all. So Bradley Beal will shift. He will tip the scales in the league. We will see where he ends up going. I'm excited for it. I would love for him to go to Denver, but he's probably not. But if he goes to any of the other teams, we're going to talk about it. We're going to watch it and we're going to analyze it. And it's going to be absolutely incredible. I can't wait. And one quick little thing, guys, before I go ahead and close out the pod, wanted to give some love to a sneaky good team out there, and that is it's a, type, a team I've talked about a little bit on this pod. And it's the San Antonio Spurs, man, currently fifth in the Western Conference right now. Um, I'm recording this while the result's happening with the Warriors, so I don't really know what's going on with that game. But fifth in the West right now, eight and six. You wouldn't have thought, right? But they have an incredibly balanced attack, which – you would expect from a San Antonio team. They have seven guys averaging double digits. You have DeMar DeRozan leading the way at 20 a night, and then it's Aldridge at 15. Or excuse me, it's DeJounte Murray at 15, Aldridge, Patty Mills, and Keldon Johnson at 14 a night. Then you go Lonnie Walker, 13, and Rudy Gay at 11. Incredible efficiency from this team. They're actually a pretty and, and like Pop usually has is a solid defense. They're a top 10 defense in the league. Uh, they're ninth in defensive rating. Offensive rating isn't as good. It's at 19. But because they share the wealth and because they have so many different guys scoring all the time, um, it's hard to kind of game plan for them and who, know who's going to end up scoring for, for them and, and have a big game on a different night, so on a given night. So shout out to San Antonio. Once again, Pop showing that he's going to reinvent himself whatever kind of talent he has. I've talked about this Spurs team before on this pod, um, and they don't even have Derek White back yet. So look at the – just look out for the Spurs, man. They're going to be really nice. Or excuse me, Derek White actually just came back. So they're going to be nice. Give the Spurs a little bit of time, and definitely in the future. I don't know how much longer Pop is going to coach, but this team by 2022, 2023, they will be – a they will be a power again, and they will be a team that's perennially perennially in the playoffs again. So you heard it here. Shout out to the Spurs, man. They've been playing really good basketball, and they're a good watch. You always think of San Antonio, eh, boring, whatever. Nah, they got some young thoroughbreds on this team who can really hoop. So if you have league pass or if there's a national TV game on and the Spurs are on, give them a watch because it's really exciting to watch them play. 
All right, guys. So that does it for episode 42 of the Good Look Podcast. Thank you once again for your li- for your listen, for your listens, for listening. I am your host, Leonard Pinkney, aka Agent P, aka L Pinkney, giving you guys another episode at the Good Look Podcast on Instagram at L Pinkney on Twitter to get the link there as well. Anchor FM um, and YouTube. Please like, rate, share, subscribe, and review for the pod. It really helps me out, y'all. Thank you again for listening. See you next week. See you next week. Good luck, 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 it's the good luck part.